0: Discovery calls are complex and crucial to your business's success. It's when you find out if the client is a good fit, when you build value to charge those higher prices you want, and when you learn what triggers the client's deepest desires for your services. On this episode of Own Your Business, I'm going to give you six must-dos for every discovery call. Tune in to hear more about a simple trick to mirror clients and get them to like you faster. Good and bad question types, including which ones backfire. My top takeaway to dig beneath the surface for deeper-seated needs – and how to end discovery calls to make a lasting impression. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about buyer types on the Own Your Business podcast. I talked about four different types of buyers that I've come up with over the last decade or so of thinking about how people communicate and make purchases in the wedding space. And the four different buyer types are the relator, the analyzer, the boss, and the dreamer. You see, different people communicate in different ways based on how we're wired upstairs. Most people use the golden rule to communicate with others around them. The golden rule is, I'm sure you know this, but treat others how you want to be treated. But the platinum rule is more effective. I remember when I first learned this back in 2014, it just completely changed the game for me. The platinum rule is treat others how they want to be treated. Using the platinum rule requires you to stretch your way of communicating to meet the others where they're at. So you could be a boss and while it's easy to communicate with other bosses using the golden rule, treat them like you treat yourself, what happens if you run into a relator or an analyzer or a dreamer? This is where the platinum rule runs into much more success than the golden rule. Now, when I first learned about communication preferences and I started thinking about these different buyer types... I also created selling styles based in large part on the same foundational communication principles. One day, I'm going to do a full episode on them. But for today, I'm going to give you just a quick little overview of selling styles. Each buyer type has a corresponding selling style. Relator equals the friend selling style. The analyzer equals the reporter selling style. The boss equals the advisor selling style. More on how I got there in just a minute. And the dreamer equals the influencer selling style. Now at the foundation of the relator, the analyzer, the boss, and the dreamer, the friend, the reporter, the advisor, and the influencer is how they filter the world. Friends' selling style is focused on selling a personal connection. They sell themselves. Reporters focus on information about their services and products. They sell the product. Influencers focus on their ideas. They sell the dream. But as I was going through And trying to figure out these different selling styles. And I couldn't really figure out what the advisor was selling. Friends sell themselves. Reporters sell the product. Influencers sell the dream. But I got stuck on what the advisor was selling. Now their corresponding boss buyer type. That that was easy. That was action. Getting things done. But I couldn't figure out how the advisor sold. What did they sell? Because it didn't focus on one thing. What I know about boss types and advisors is that they're chameleons when it comes to communicating. They stretch their communication style to match whomever they're talking to. They read the buyer to learn what's most important to them. And they interpret the little clues they see and feel during the sales process. Because boss types are all about getting results, getting the good outcome. They're in it to win it. So whatever method Gets them there, that's what they're going to do. It's all about increasing the probability of a good outcome. It's almost like they're consultants for the person who inquires. They identify the problem or issue, challenge, desire, needs, whatever it is, and then they come up with a solution to get the buyer what they want. This is why I settled on the advisor title for this boss equivalent. I see them as a true guide to help get the couple the services that they need. They see a problem, they offer a solution. So, There's a quick little background, but how does each selling style approach a discovery call? Because that's what I want to talk about on this episode. Friends focus on connection, right? They make it personal. They get to know the couple, assure them that they will be there to make it all go well. Reporters focus on information. They tend to get into the weeds on details, timelines, budgets, numbers, and other logistics. Remember, this is how they go through the discovery call. Influencers, they focus on themselves. They like to showcase what they can do, and why they're the best person or the company for the client. It's often a pitch on them. Advisors, however, advisors focus on the solutions for the couple. On the discovery call, they ask questions to create rapport. Then they dive into the couple's needs. Ultimately, they offer to create a proposal of services to get the couple what they want and need the most. Now, all four approaches can work to book great couples at really high prices. But the advisor's style works out more often than the others with more types of buyers. And that's because it's designed to sell around the way the couples want to buy, not the way that they want to sell. The advisor sells to the way that the couple wants to buy, not the way that's easiest or most natural for them to sell. It's practical and it's very, very effective. So how do you conduct discovery calls like an advisor? Here are six tips to getting started with regularly successful discovery calls, no matter the kind of buyer that you're talking with. First thing you do to sell like an advisor, listen more than talk. The key to any good discovery call is to get the client comfortable. And that means you have to make it a genuine conversation, not a sales pitch, not an interview, but a two-way conversation with an exchange of ideas. I've shared that the sales pitch mistake with you in past episodes and in my newsletters But I'm just going to give you a quick reminder of what it looks like. This is what happens with a sales pitch instead of a discovery call. You warm up the client. You ask a few questions about the wedding. Walk them through your work or a portfolio process. I know some of you actually do this on a Zoom where you make them watch it on a slideshow. You present options to work with you. Here's a live presentation of a pricing guide or my menu. And it could be that you're actually pitching your services to them. But you can't pitch your services very effectively if the buyer doesn't know what they need from you. Plus, psychological reactance jumps in when you try and sell too early in the process. And psychological reactance is that that defense mechanism that humans have when they feel cornered or like their freedom or options are being taken away from them. And they push back. They put an armor up. Some people even get aggressive. Now, on the other end of the spectrum is the interview. So on one end of the spectrum, you have the pitch. On the other, you have the interview. People who interview, instead of doing a discovery call, people who do this usually have a list of predetermined questions, a script, right? Maybe this is you. You go through them one by one, usually in linear order. Oftentimes, you're very rigid in the approach. And you fail to ask off script questions to clarify or deepen the explanation, What I found in listening to these calls, because I listen to a lot of client discovery calls, it makes the call feel clunky and it puts the buyer in a position of having to answer a lot of questions when they're the ones who inquired with you for more information about your services and pricing. So my recommendation is don't live on either end of the spectrum. Don't use a discovery call as a sales pitch and don't use it as an interview. Instead, make it feel like that organic conversation. So one skill to develop is to control the discussion, but not by doing the talking. You do it through a combination of asking questions, sharing insights, and telling stories. Asking questions is crucial. I like the idea of a list that the interviewer does, but I don't like the strictness of sticking to a specific order. It creates that interview feel. So come up with 10 or 15 questions you want to ask in every call and feed them into the conversation naturally. Sharing insights about what you do and how it helps clients like them is how you demonstrate empathy and authority on the call. So we definitely want to share insights in addition to asking questions. How do you do that? First, you have to show them how much you care. Otherwise, they won't care about how much you know. Then, talk about a different way of looking at the situation that opens their eyes to a new perspective that they didn't see before. Try to reframe their understanding of their problems and their desires, as well as what you do to help meet those needs. This reframe, that's where you build value and create desire for your services. Lastly, some of the things that you do want to talk about are stories. Because humans are wired to remember stories much more so than information. I've read that people remember over 20 times more when this story is told that includes facts and figures than if facts and figures are given on their own. So come up with two or three great stories that address your buyer's biggest desires and concerns. Keep them to 30, 60 seconds max. In general, I've read for complex sales transactions in the service industries with buyers who don't know much about your services, you want to spend 30% of the time talking and 70% listening. And the time that you spend talking shouldn't be all at once, but sprinkled in here and there, maybe two to three times per minute. So while you're listening more than talking, we want to make sure that when you do talk, you're focused on the right things. All right, number two important trait that advisors do when they're conducting discovery calls is they take notes. Taking notes accomplishes a ton of things for you on the discovery call. It forces you to pay attention to the conversation and eliminate your distractions. It also shows that you care about what the person is saying, especially if you're doing this on Zoom. They will see you taking notes. It also allows you to reference your notes later as you put together your proposal or prep for a review call, a booking call. It also allows you to use the notes to recap what it was that you talked about and put into an email. And lastly, it collects over time and develops trends in psychographics. So you can take your notes and you can put them all together and look at them in a wide swath of data that you've collected over time. And you can then start to read into who your ideal client is. What kind of things do they talk about? What words do they use? I recommend using a pen and paper rather than a keyboard because I want you to write down exact words and phrases, exact words and phrases. This is the number three thing that advisors do on discovery calls that other selling styles don't. And it's part of what makes them most successful. When you're taking notes, record the exact words and phrases that the couple uses. It's a great opportunity to use mirroring in a sales situation. Once you write the words down, repeat them back in the conversation. Just low-key, drop them throughout. It helps keep people feeling connected to you through the words you use back to them. Do not tweak the words. Do not change them. Use them exactly as they said them, even if they're not fully accurate or you prefer a different word. For instance, let's say you're a videographer, but you prefer to see yourself as a filmmaker. You're going to have to get over it. If the client uses the word videographer, you've got to use videographer back what do you really care? Or let's say you're a florist, but you prefer the word floral designer or you're a planner, but your potential client calls you a coordinator. Look, that one gets me too, but using a different word misses a potential connection point and could make them feel wrong. Remember people who speak the same language tend to feel connected to you. Whereas those who speak a foreign language are harder to share the same ideas and values with. Also, when it comes to time to create the proposal, you can use these exact words and phrases in the language you drop into the personalized intro and also the next steps closing. Begin and end with their own words and the solutions you offer will be even more effective. Lastly, if you use the words and phrases back to them and you do this enough, you'll start to see these recurring phrases that your ideal clients use. Take these words, drop them into all of your marketing material, all of your sales material. Leverage mirroring effects throughout the buyer's journey. When clients read these, they'll feel an immediate connection to you and believe you get them and their needs. You're speaking the same language. All right, number four, use primarily open-ended questions, not closed questions. Open-ended questions are questions that allow the person to answer however they want for a longer period of time with more information in a way that they want to share them. Closed questions are answered with short responses. Here are some examples of closed questions. How many people are attending the wedding? 140. What's your fiance's name? Bob. Where are you getting married? St. Thomas. What time do you plan on starting the wedding? 4 p.m. What style is your wedding? Beach chic. What's your budget? 100 grand. Would you say that meaningful moments or wow moments are more important to you? Hmm, wow moments. The way you ask closed ended questions like these gives you numbers, names, and one or two or maybe three or four word responses. They're helpful, but they don't get you the kind of information to truly understand what you need to convince the client to buy. To get what you need from a discovery call, you've got to ask open ended questions. These often start with how or what or why. How did you come up with the number of guests for your wedding? How did you choose your wedding destination or venue? How did you come up with your budget? How's the wedding planning process going so far? A quick note before moving on to the next tip for successful discovery calls, I mentioned that you could use the word why to start your questions when you wanted to ask open-ended questions, but don't do it too much. Sometimes why questions can come off as judgmental, which of course isn't the way you wanna appear when you're starting the conversation with a potential client. Use why questions with caution. All right, number five tip to conducting a discovery call, like an advisor ask follow-up questions. Open-ended questions are a great way to follow up a closed question. For example, you can ask a couple. In fact, you should ask a couple, the number of people who are attending their wedding, especially if you're a planner. This is crucial for you to determine how to structure your services or the amount of money they're going to need to spend with you. So ask a closed question first. How many people do you plan for the wedding? And then follow that up with an open-ended question like, how did you arrive at that number? This will give you more information about their reasoning, their goals, their current understanding of what it takes to plan their wedding using your service. And you can use these insights to dig even deeper into the why behind their needs. And that, friends, is really what you want to get to. Remember, surface-level questions give you surface-level answers for surface-level services. Ask a follow-up question to get a deeper understanding of their reasons for doing things. The more they see the value in what you're offering, the more that it, it triggers a deeper desire, the more money they're willing to pay. So here are two tips for follow-up questions. One, use the phrase, tell me more about. It's a great way to paraphrase what they just said, reflect it back to them, which shows that you're actively listening and then get them to dig deeper. They say they want beat chic. You say, tell me more about what beat chic means to you. And that's really the second way to do it. What does blank mean to you? That will help clarify a term that they use. For instance, if they say they want a romantic wedding or an editorial-looking photograph or a cinematic film, you have got to get super clear on what that means to them. Here's a funny example that I have on why it's so important to clarify what something means to one person so that the other one knows. When I worked at Todd Events, where I was the operations director, we had a weekly production meeting. It was Tuesdays, first thing. We had like 20, 25 people from Two different cities, Dallas and Houston, who were on the call. I mean, all the people were there. And production meetings are times to review last week's events and prep for the next few weeks' events. We did these when I was in catering at the resort in Washington. So when I was at Todd Events for this particular production meeting, we had a big wedding on the upcoming weekend. And the project manager for the event found out the production team who had ordered the linens that he put in the proposal actually got a different color than he'd spec'd on the proposal. Now, he'd asked for champagne-colored linen. That seems pretty clear, right? Champagne. When he saw the linens, he freaked out, though, because they were a golden straw-colored yellow. Champagne, said the production team. These are yellow, not pink, said the project manager. Turns out, this project manager only drank rosé champagne. So he expected pink, not yellow linens. If you're lucky enough to get a potential client who knows what they want for a look and a feel for their upcoming wedding or the deliverable that you provide, you have got to be absolutely 100% certain that you and the couple are on the same page. Their understanding of what they're asking for might be very different than yours. Clarifying follow-ups help prevent problems from occurring. All right, the sixth and final way that an advisor conducts a discovery call that is super helpful and always successful is to send an email recap after the discovery call. So after the call wraps up, make sure to send out a short email that just goes over the conversation. Do it before the end of the day. And here are the things that you want to include. In order, a warm greeting. Thank them for taking the time to talk to you. Compliment them about a decision that they've made. Remind them of how far they've come in the process and how close they are to the end. Overall, take on the direction for their wedding and planning. Whatever it is that they've got going on, just summarize it in one word or one sentence or two sentences, and then reflect some of the biggest desires and concerns that they gave you. So you have this overall take on the direction for their wedding, and then a reflection of the biggest desires and concerns. This can usually look like uh, one or two sentences and then some bullet points. No more than four or five. You also want to include the next steps for whatever it is that you're going to do. Hopefully, it's going to be an opportunity for you to jump on a call. And you also want to remind them that you're going to send the proposal on a certain date and time. Now, I know this sounds like one more step, and it is, but it's really effective. It takes less than five minutes, and it gives everyone a chance to get on the same page. Plus, the couple will have a summary to share with others who are influencing the decision. And it doubles as the beginning of your personalized intro for the custom proposal that you're going to write. So, it's going to save you time when you start to sit down and write the proposal. That's all for a different episode, though. We've already covered a lot on this one. We talked about six amazing things that advisors do more so than other selling styles on discovery calls. And we talked about how important discovery calls are for the overall success in closing more deals at higher prices. So, a quick summary. Number one, listen more than talk. But when you talk, share the right information. Number two, take notes. Number three, write down exact words and phrases. Number four, use primarily open-ended questions, not closed questions. Number five, ask follow-up or clarifying questions. And number six, send an email recap. There's so much more to discovery calls because they're incredibly complex and super, super important to do well. It's the hardest thing in sales to get right. So if you want more insights from this podcast on discovery call aspects, I'm going to give you a list of episodes to check out. Episode four, introduction to buyer types for wedding pros. I talked about in the beginning of this episode, you're going to learn a lot more about it in episode four. Episode 12, talking about budget with potential clients on the discovery call. Episode 16, listen to hear and learn. This one's all about good listening techniques that you need to use and implement on these discovery calls. Episode 18, success through discovery calls. This is a conversation with a former client of mine, Mike Zawatsky, and he tells everybody who's listening what he did, why it worked, and how you can do the same thing. Episode 27, how to feel confident on discovery calls. Episode 28, how to get couples to like you on discovery calls. Episode 35, how to mirror clients to connect non-consciously. This is that Number three, where you write down exact words and phrases, if you like that one and you found that it works, you're really going to love episode 35 where it dives deep into mirroring. And finally, a recent episode, number 56, discovery call mistakes. That was what not to do. This is what to do. I hope you enjoyed these tips on how to conduct better discovery calls. It's important in your future growth as a business, whether you want to book more clients or clients at a higher price point. Boom. That's it for this episode on own your business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know, I have a hard time keeping it short, but I know you're busy. So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. If you can't think of anyone in particular, we'd settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through.